Welcome back to the Navigating EU Exit podcast from GFIRST LEP, Swindon and Wiltshire LEP and the West of England Combined Authority. In this series, we're hearing how best for you to navigate life outside of the European Union, from conversations with experts to discussing real-life experiences with industries and businesses who are adapting to this new way of working. It's been a long road of negotiations so far and deadlines and some uncertainty, of course. But as of the 1st of January of this year, we have a deal and the UK is officially no longer part of the Single Market and Customs Union. Today, we're hearing how one of Gloucestershire's long-established companies, which has grown at a phenomenal rate in recent years, has overcome the hurdles and challenges brought by the EU exit. Daniel O'Neill is the founder of ProCook, which specialises in manufacturing and selling kitchenware around the world. And after many years in the game, they're no stranger to challenges. And in this episode, we'll hear how the company has tackled this new world head-on. But first, I begun our chat by finding out a little more about the business from Daniel. We design and manufacture and sell direct to the consumer kitchenware products, um, either through our own stores or through the internet. We've just had our 25th anniversary. We had a little bit of a hiccup in the middle, which worked out for our, our bank uh, was one of those unfortunate banks that had to retreat during the 2008 crisis. Mm. Uh, so it took away all of our funding. So we, we restarted again in 2008. And I decided at that point, we wouldn't be a, a regular cook shop selling lots of different brands. We would design our own products and just sell ProCook. So we sort of have, we had, the first half of our uh, of our life where we sold some own brand and and lots of other people's products and then since 2008 we've been designing our own products and just selling our own products where did the inspiration come from is cooking something you've always loved yeah i've always loved cooking but um it was a bit of a diversion i used to write software you set that up in gloucestershire 25 years ago you must have seen things change in that time quite considerably yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no internet when we started, so it was mail order. So <laughs> it has uh, it has changed substantially. And no doubt has changed again with recent events. So what challenges has ProCook faced with regards to the EU exit? The EU has been growing very nicely for us. Um, we, we trade in Europe through Amazon, Amazon.de and Amazon.fr. Um, and we we pretty much were uh, express delivery from the UK using uh, using DPD for a sort of a two to a two to three day service to get a parcel to to our clients our customers in Germany and France and that was probably eight or nine million pounds um, we won the award with the Sunday Times Fast Track as uh, international expansion you may have seen. Um, and it was going really well, but obviously the wheels just came off. I mean, DPD were given about three days' notice. I mean, the government, bless them, put out lots of, uh, of adverts saying be ready, but didn't actually tell us what to be ready for. And, and the outcome, we now, the deal that we now have, very shortly afterwards, they, they came out and announced, really, if you need to trade in Europe, you need a, you need a partner in Europe, which is really where, after three months, we've pretty much come to that conclusion. Um, our problem um, double impacting is because we are trading through Amazon. Amazon insists, as we would insist, on a um, on-time delivery percentage. And if you drop below that on-time delivery percentage, then you are penalised and you need to maintain that average. 
for 60 days. And it's just not possible now. It was uh, so where we were promising three day delivery, DPD are just about getting down to four or five working days um, from what was a very successful service from DPD for two to, two to three days. It, it leapt up to sort of 14 days with all the um, disruption at the ports and parcels and the government's own website for, for duty calculations. And it's stabling off now, but it's probably added, I would say, two to three days transit time for a parcel from us to the customer. I mean, that may still improve a little bit further, but that's that's in our experience what we're finding. So it's pretty much a week. It takes now a week to get a parcel from the UK to a customer in Europe at a reasonable rate, which makes you we're no longer competitive with French and German resellers on Amazon because they're getting the they're getting the goods to the customers much faster than we are now able to. So we're ninety nine percent there now, where we found we found somebody that we'd like to go into business with as a partner in Europe, um, who who and, and actually have a fulfillment center in Europe so that goods can come straight from from the Far East, from our, our factories, straight into uh, into uh, Holland. We're probably going to choose Holland as, the, uh, as our very close to the, the German border. Coming to the conclusion that you're going to have to set up in Europe, how was that for you? It's been a journey because clearly the, the least resistance was trying to improve the service with DPD. We use DPD in the UK and they are, you know, they're, they're an amazing carrier. Um, I think whoever whichever carrier we were with, we would have suffered. I mean, we have become quite impatient as consumers. Haven't we um, <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, we see a difference. We've, we went to seven days next day, um, every day, and we saw a lift. So, you know, even though when someone says, you know, I don't really need that saucepan the next day, as soon as you offer them the saucepan the next day, we get more sales. Um, so I felt that our only way to truly compete within Europe was to was to ha- offer that next day service in Europe. So hopefully we'll go from a two to three day service to actually now next day service. Um, whereas if we do it from the UK, we're out, at, as we say, we're out at a week. So it, it was a lot of things. And I, I think it, I've now come up with a model that it is going to, like any new business, it's the first year is going to probably there'll be a lot of investment in the first year, um, and we you know there'll be ups and downs I'm sure within that first year, but I think at the end of the first year we will have a really good fit for purpose solution to deliver goods to all of the EU customers um, on a on the next day in some cases two day service. How long ago did you make that decision, Daniel? I mean, it's pretty much ongoing. We're just we're yet to sign with this partner, but uh, we've we've had really good conversations this week. But even if we don't sign with this partner, we'll find a three a third party logistics company that we will that we will move forward with. We've we have made the decision now. The only way forward realistically is is shipping it from Europe to Europe. You're dealing with the challenges of exports with setting up overseas. What other sort of preparations have you put in place in order to get over those challenges and hurdles? We may start off with a, an arrangement or a partnership with with a third party logistics company or a, a partner company, but probably we will we will form Procook Europe and 
the goods will buy the goods and they'll they'll come into the goods will come into Europe and obviously that profit will be made in Europe. For people exporting from the UK, it's been a very difficult. Uh, well, I think importing as well. To be fair, yeah. I mean we import our goods and uh, the uh, the confusion at the ports has been um, has been phenomenal trying to import goods. It, it was a combination of things with the Brexit situation. Um, uh, supermarkets, a lot of big supermarkets, obviously are the big users of the carriage. Um, carriage. They didn't want to have food shortages, which obviously is understandable. So they they preloaded. They they brought in goods early, which created uh, a, a, a demand on on shipping, which clearly, I mean, not just supermarkets, clearly all businesses tried to bring in goods ahead of the Brexit deadline because no one knew what was going to happen. It was taking longer for boats to unload with the new regulations at ports. And then in the end, boats were just bypassing. So we were having boats that should have been pulling into Southampton um, and literally went to Rotterdam and unloaded in Rotterdam first. So the whole the whole boating, the whole shipping goods in schedule completely changed. And goods we had a lot of goods that should have come in for Christmas that we didn't actually get till sort of mid-end January. And where we would pay £2,000 for a container from China to the UK, I mean, that spiked at around £10,000. Wow. It, it's just not cost-effective. We may find we, we start to produce things more in the UK, which is, I mean, that's clearly not a bad thing. Um, although I do suspect that, again, we'll see a correction in those shipping rates, and they will. They are starting to come down now. You've obviously said that pro-cook Europe could become a thing. From a business perspective, that growth must be exciting for you. So is that an opportunity you didn't really foresee quite so quickly? I thought we'd get the growth in the UK without having to actually have an operator, without actually having to have a business there. But ultimately, I think we will be able to compete better having that next day service in Europe. So in the end, for us, for pro-cook, it will be, it will be growth. But I think if you're a sort of smaller company and your your trade with Europe doesn't mean you can go and start a, start an operation in Europe, it's very difficult. I think they'll be forced to find a partner so they can ship to a company with similar ethics, similar maybe similar product. They could distribute that in the UK and their partner in Europe could distribute their products in Europe. Or if it's not time critical, if the delivery isn't time critical, then I do think it will it will eventually sort itself out. Maybe it is that we just need to be less of an impatient society. <laughs> and I mean, that would be lovely. <laughs> I fear, though, that they'll just move to the people who can ship it the next day. It's all about yeah. competition, isn't it? It is. Are you expecting to face more challenges in the future, or are you hoping this will mitigate that? I, I think we will. I mean, I was chatting to a friend, and after 25 years, you, you're sort of familiar with how businesses work in the UK. I'm I'm not familiar with business procedures in the Netherlands. So, you know, we can we can we can buy a company off the shelf and change its name in the UK relatively short. To actually register a company in the Netherlands, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, it's just unusual. Yeah, we have to you have to specify your 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 employee terms and conditions, you have to you have to specify everything. You you almost have to, you know, that business plan that you would present to an investor, you have to present to the to the company's house, as it were, in in um, in the Netherlands to to actually to start to create your company. So it's very different. 
and uh, and obviously we'll be le- <laughs> we'll be learning all those. So um, no doubt there'll be some pitfalls that we'll will pop into. Um, but uh, it, 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 ultimately, it'll be a good thing. Who are you having to seek advice from in that instance? Is it, is it people in the Netherlands? Is it other businesses here who've done? Similar? I'm speaking to friends who have. Um, yes, fortunately, friends who have started businesses in the Netherlands already. So yeah, so I can get. I can. They can point me in the right direction of you know accountants, uh, and also we use um, we use KPMG in the UK. So again, we've got we've got that as a resource that we they can point us in the right direction. It's all about advice is what I keep hearing as well and, and chatting and communicating with others. Find out. Definitely find out. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how have your workforce responded to, to all the changes and the umings and arings over what's going to happen? Has the company and your workforce responded well? Yeah, very well. Yeah, I mean, we have a very engaged, yeah, we have a very engaged um, group of people working at ProCook. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's the, with the... You know, we hit, we achieved 40% growth in December with our stores, you know, all of percent with our stores not even open for most of, for quite a lot of it. So, so we have, people are, people are incredibly busy anyway, just managing the UK growth. It sounds exciting that a Gloucestershire business, 25 years in the making, the growth is continuing to, to increase and, and that for you must be really satisfactory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it is uh, it is very uh, it is very rewarding. What advice would you give to other businesses, Daniel, who are working from a retail point of view, who are facing these challenges also? Your customers in Europe. And if, if, if you can play on the, if, you, if they're buying from you at the moment, it may be because it is a British product that they want to buy. So play on it, play on the marketing so that you can, you know, you can get them to wait. So that all of a sudden time doesn't become quite so critical um so i would uh play on your advantages and then um yeah pick a good partner like you know i think dpd will get there they will get that sorted out and so pick a good partner in terms of getting your your goods delivered and they will they will handle all of the uh it, it is it is very confusing in terms of paperwork and it's going to change again in july so pick pick a partner who um who can help you through that A big thank you to Daniel O'Neill, founder of ProCook. There's some really solid advice there for companies of all sizes about how you can adapt and overcome now that Britain is no longer part of the European Union. And a big thank you to all our previous guests from Renishore PLC, from BPE Solicitors, from Alistair James Insurance and from Randall and Payne Accountants. And that brings this series to a close for now. But be sure to listen to all five of our episodes and reach out to your local growth hub for help and advice. All of the links are in the description. And remember, don't let these challenges overwhelm you. We're here to help.